This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Greatness in life is found when you find the ability to push past what is. Last week when we got together, we opened up a conversation as we started a series called What About Me? And really what this topic is about is, is exactly what, what I just talked about. This ability to look where we're at in life, difficult situations, maybe the broken relationships, maybe the things that we really wish would have gone a different way, and to be able to somehow pick up the broken pieces and move forward. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life Maybe even especially as a Christian, right? Faith in Christ. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where, where we believe in hope and we promise others hope? Have you ever looked at your life and asked yourself the question, what about me? When does my life get better? How could I possibly move past these broken pieces? I, I know you, you tell me God loves me. I know you tell me God has plan for my life, but have you seen my situation? Last weekend, when we got together, we talked about if we want to be able to move forward in life, if we want even a chance at having the life that we dream of, that we think maybe, just maybe, just, just somehow, maybe it's possible. If we want that life, we talked about how our starting place, it's kind of a difficult one, but it's this, that we have to be willing to take responsibility. We talked about the emotions this immediately brings up. Yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what was done to me. You don't know the abuse that I encountered. You don't know what they did. You don't know the family that I was raised in. And we're not for a second saying that we should take responsibility for the things that have happened to us that are outside of our control. But that if we want a great life, if we want a life that's better than today, at some point we have to be willing to take responsibility for where we're at in life now. We said this, you cannot control everything that happens to you in life, but you can control how you respond. And this is really revolutionary. Why? Because it gives back something to humanity that we so easily lose. And this is our power to choose. It's actually the greatest power that God has given to humanity. When he first created mankind, he gave them this power to choose. And and when we take our power to choose, what we do is we We gain this opportunity to be able to push past the tough times that life brings. And here's the choice that we're really making. It's really this choice to either be a victim because of the circumstances in life that we're facing, to be victim to what is in our lives, or we make the choice to be a victor especially as it comes to our faith. Through faith in God, this ability to harness my power to choose that my life may be bad, they may have ruined my life, but it's okay. I'm going to make a decision to build a new one. I could choose to stay in my broken place or I could choose to begin to pick up the pieces and push past into a life that could be. We started making some bold statements and here's one of them. We said that sometimes the only reason you're stuck in the space you're in is because you've chosen not to leave the space you're in. We encouraged each other. We encouraged each other with this, that you are not powerless. 
It doesn't matter how dark your situation is. It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter the things that you cannot justify. You have a power. You have a power that God has given you to pick up to the pieces and to be able to rebuild. This is what, what a great weekend to be talking about this. We look at our nation. Well, man, when the September 11th attacks happened on our nation, we could have just said, well, it's over. I guess America's not so great anymore. I guess we're done leading the, the world with our leadership and doing the things that we've done. No, but what did we do? We said, we're not going to be victims because of the negative circumstances that have happened to us in our lives. And we rebuild. You think about the people who have lost moms and dads and children, and you look at their lives, and we're so inspired, aren't we, by the people who have been able to say, I could have, my life could have ended that day, but instead of that, I'm going to push forward in, in honor and memory of those people who lived, and I'm going to continue to live, and I'm going to continue to rebuild my life. Why? Because this is the power that I've been given by God, my creator, that I don't have to be victim to the circumstances that life brings. We talked about, though, if we're going to take responsibility in life, there's some things that we have to be willing to give up. If I'm going to take responsibility from where I'm at in life and kind of have a foundation to be able to move forward, I have to be willing to give some things up. What am I talking about? Things like I have to be willing to give up my right to blame to be able to point fingers and say, yeah, I'm like this or this situation is like that because, and this is what we said about blame. The thing about blame is blame doesn't solve any problems. So at the end of my finger pointing, I'm still, still in my dark, dark situation. If I want to take responsibility to be able to move forward, I have to be willing to give up my right even when I can justify it, even when it seems like I can have all the reasons why I do have the right to blame. I have to be willing to give up that right to blame. If I want to take responsibility for where I'm at in life, I have to give up my right that I have to maintain. There's going to be times in life that I have to be willing to, to push past the fear that I feel in my mind, sometimes in my heart, to begin to have the courage to take steps to get out of maybe that destructive relationship that you have become a victim to. I'm going to take responsibility for where I'm at in life. I have to give up my right to com- complain. This this idea that, man, I wish things were different. This, this, this is just the way it is. I hate the, the way. It, no, I have to give up my right to complain. And if I don't like the life that I have, I have the power to change it. So this conversation is about how do I get the life that I really desire? How does my life get better? How do I keep growing as a human being? And at every phase of my life, this is really what we want, right? We want to be able to be at a certain place in our life and to say, okay, hey, uh, it may not be where I want to be, but when I look back, I'm not where I used to be. That my life is better today than it used to be. I guess I want to start with this question. If we're talking about this life that we desire, what is the life that we desire? The ideal life. And I, and I think we could probably agree on some things just just being human beings, there's certain things that we're looking for. If we want a happy, fulfilled life, there's certain things that we're looking for to get us to this place where we have a smile on our face, just like that, okay? So there's some things that we're looking for. What are some of them? I think one of them that we would all agree on is we're looking for fulfillment, right? What is fulfillment? This idea that my life meant something. This idea that at the end of all of my work and at the end of all of my parenting that somehow it made a difference. What else are we looking for? I think we're also looking for peace. I think this is a big one. This ability to be okay when things in life are not. It's funny, every week we uh, allow people to submit prayer requests that come into our church and our staff teams get together every week and we just pray for the needs that, that we're all facing, the struggles that we're, we're going through as, as humans. 
You know what tops the list above, hey, I need my bills paid, and hey, I wish my relationship were better? The number one thing that comes in is a people's desire, a person's desire for peace. This ability that my mind, my soul, my emotions can be at rest, even when things in my life are not. I think other things that we desire, I think we would always say if we were talking about the life that makes me happy, we would want financial security. Right? We would want health. Uh, We want our relationships to be healthy. When we look at this life, I think this is a a pretty good picture of the life that we would desire, right? That if I had these things, that my life would be good, that it would actually be very progressive, and I'd be able to say, wow, this is, this is great, great life. When I say, when does my life get better, what about me, really, with the things that, that my life is lacking, is these things. It's funny, though, as you begin to go on a spiritual journey, and especially in Christianity, which is supposed to be faith rooted in Christ, the message of Jesus and what Christ has done for us. As you begin to go through this journey, you begin to find out that the the life that you desire, this picture right here, is actually the life that God desires for you, except God even desires that it would be better than this. And this is kind of a bit of a revolutionary concept because in our Western civilization, we're actually kind of trained from an early age to think the opposite. A lot of people think that when they come to God, and that's why a lot of people don't go to church, right? But when I go to church and, and, I, and I decide to have a relationship with God, that's when I lose my life. That's when I lose all of my fun. That's when all, all the things that are important to me, I have to be willing to give up my life. And there's some faiths that actually preach that, that God desires that you would be poor, that you would be sick. But when you actually continue in your journey towards faith in Christ, you understand that the sacrifice of Jesus was actually so that you could have all of these things that actually you desire and more. This is a bold, bold concept because because in our lives, this is the way that God would like your existence to be. There's a scripture in John 10, 10. This has been a scripture that throughout our past several series has continued to come up. This is God speaking, Jesus speaking. He says, Jesus says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have that life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Another translation in, in there, it says, I've come, Jesus came the person that we have our faith in, the foundation, the anchor for our soul, he came so that we could have a better life than we ever dreamed of. In other words, what I want us to grasp this morning, because I feel like it's really foundational when it comes to our worldview and our, our core beliefs, that you own in the depths of your heart this fact, that the life that you desire is not in conflict with the life God desires for you. The life that you desire is not in conflict with the life God desires for you. In fact, God desires that you would have all of these things that in an ideal world would make your life here on earth happy and successful. He desires that you would have all of these things and more. So here's what I'm getting at. When it comes to our life, this, uh, this pathway, right? This is our, our life here. Let's just say our current existence is a little bit sad, okay? And we want to get to over here where we can have, uh, oh, <laughs> so used to being sad. Okay, um, so when it comes to this, this path, right, this is our, <laughs> that looks really bad. Um, okay, this is our, our end game, right? This is our destination. And, and what I want us to own this morning in our conversation is that our destination, the thing that we desire for life, the, our destination is the same as God's intended destination, except God's is even better. So I want to say it like this. With God, when it comes to our life and our plans and where we want to be between us and God, there's actually the same destination, 
but we have a different strategy. Okay, so the fact that you're here today, people that go to church, they're, they're looking for more. The fact that you're here today tells me that you need more in your relationships. There's something that's not right. You need more in your life. You need more uh, as it comes to your, your mental stability or you, you don't have peace in your life. You don't have fulfillment. There's something that you're looking for that isn't right and you need it more. Okay, you need, you need more in that area of your life. And the fact that you're, you're doing that and you're on that quest tells me this, that your strategy, our strategy probably isn't working out so well. Have you ever looked at your life? I mean, for, for me, the, 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 as I set out on this journey, and I'm like, okay, this is the life that I want. The second I really, like, buckle down and I try to have good relationships, and I'm going to do everything that I knew, I, I can know, possibly know to do to be selfless. I'm going to really, really try. It seems like the harder I try, the more those relationships seems, seem to break and to fall apart. Or the more I try in one area, maybe I, I need uh, financial security. So I try to save and I try to keep and I try to keep everything to myself. And I'm really focused on if I could just work harder, if I can get more hours at work, then I can get more money in the bank, then I'm going to be more happy because I'm going to have more financial security and stability. It seems like the more that I do that, then I begin to lose the other things that are equally precious to me. What I'm saying is when it comes to our strategy, I think at some point in our life, we have to be willing to say that, hey, my strategy isn't working out so well. That when I look at my life, I really desire a good life, but if I'm honest, if I'm brutally honest, I don't know how to get there. So today what I want us to consider is the opposite. We have two options. We have our strategy, and then we have God's strategy. Today, that's what I want us to consider. Consider God's plan, God's pathway. If we have the same destination and God's supposed to be better, why don't we take a look at God's way of getting us to that place because our, play, our, our strategy hasn't probably been working so well. So I kind of want to just detail this out. Many of you may, may have never visualized this or seen this uh, before, so I hope that it kind of contextualizes it and puts it in a place where we can really understand. When we come to God, before we come to God, we find ourselves in a place, and I'm going to detail this place lost, okay? And I know you probably, you, you may have heard this, this, this term. This is something you never want to to tell someone. You don't want to tell them, oh, you're just lost. It's, no one ever wants to hear that. But, but it's really in reality. This is, before we have faith in God, this is where we're at. Why do I say lost? Because we're left as uh, victims to the decisions that we make in life. Our worth in life is solely based upon how good we can be, right? How, how far we can advance in life. It's based upon our accolades. It's based upon our performance. It's based upon all these things. And when you're in this phase of life, many of you may feel like this today. You feel like you're a leaf blowing in the wind. You kind of go here and you're like, man, I'm trying to get my life together. And it seems like you're always trying to get your life together, but you're never advancing. So before God, we're in this place where we're lost and we're searching. And the thing that really changes our life is when we, when we encounter this message, and it's not a message of religion, because what religion is about, religion is about this, that I perform, and if I perform good enough, then God will accept me. It's something completely different. We experience this message of hope that's found through the cross, that's found through Jesus. And it's actually based on something completely different. It, it actually says that I'm accepted just as I am with my mistakes, with my blemishes, with my past, with the family that I grew up in. And God approves of me just like I am because of the sacrifice of the cross. And now that gives me a foothold or the ability to move past those circumstances that I've been born into. So this is kind of the message of Christianity, that, that we're broken that in and of ourselves, we would never be good enough because we're flawed, myself included. We make bad decisions. We don't have the capacity to be able to be perfect. We're kind of doomed before we ever start it, and God knew this. So this was God's plan. God's plan was that he would send a part of himself, so he sent his son. This is the message of Christianity, just in real simple form. Jesus came to this earth. 
Jesus had this ability, um, as God sent him, that he was going to come and he was going to live a perfect life, something that we would never be capable of doing. And at the end of that life, Jesus was going to give up his life or be murdered or, be, or sacrifice his life. To die. He's going to be crucified on the cross. This is the message, right? He's going to die, but he's not going to stay dead. He's going to come back from the dead. And when he comes back from the dead, it's literally and symbolically, what it's doing is it's putting an end to death, an end to our mistakes, so that anybody who comes after Jesus, if we place our faith in Christ in the sacrifice of a blameless man who gave up his life for people that, that probably didn't deserve it, if we'll place our faith in him, then God now sees us not based upon our works, but based on the sacrifice of Christ. This is the message of Christianity. That no longer is it based upon how good I can be, but it's based upon how good God is. Is that freeing to you today to know that God loves you no matter what if you place your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus? And so at some point we come to this place. At some point we come to this place, maybe we don't understand it all, but you know what we, we say to ourselves, you know, this is, the thing, this is the only thing that makes even a little bit of sense. So I'm going to place my faith in Christ and have this ability to begin to, to kind of have a new life. And after we do this, we place our faith in Jesus, even sometimes in the midst of our own questions, we enter into a new phase. And we're going to call this phase, at this point, we're a new believer. That's what we're going to call it, okay? B-E-L-I-E. E-E-R. Make sure I'm spelling that right. Okay, so we're a new believer, this new quadrant. And so as we become new believers in our faith in Christ, we begin to kind of venture out and we meet other people that have been in this journey longer than us. We meet other people that have had faith in Christ and kind of understand how this whole thing works a little bit more. And what we begin to understand is something really spectacular. We begin to understand that, yes, Jesus came and his sacrifice was so that, uh, you know, when life is done here on earth, we're eternal beings. We spend forever somewhere in heaven or hell. Yes, Jesus came so that we could place our faith in, faith in him so that we could connect with God and spend eternity in heaven. Yes, he did that, but he didn't just do that. We begin to understand that, yes, Jesus came and died and was resurrected so that I can have self-worth and fulfillment and I can be enough regardless if people accept me or not, regardless if my family approves of me or not. I have this ability to be accepted. And he came and his sacrifice was for that, but it wasn't just for that. You begin to then realize and understand that part of the reason Jesus came and, and had the sacrifice of, of giving up his life and coming back from the dead, part of the reason that he did that was also so that you could have a better life here on earth. How did, how did we learn that? Well, we learned that because as we became a new believer, we started implementing something called, uh, we're going to call them acts of devotion. What am I talking about? You, beginning, you began reading the Bible, okay? You began maybe uh, praying, which is, you know, communication with God. You begin talking with God. You begin living a life that, where your heart and your mind was open to the leading of the, the Holy Spirit. You may not know what that is. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you begin to, to do these things. And, and when you read the Bible, you begin to understand, okay, maybe there's more to this life and more to this faith than I actually thought. So now I go from a place of just being a new believer who has faith in Christ. And now I'm actually growing. Okay? Now I'm actually growing. I'm developing. I'm not just staying in the, in the place th th that I was. I'm actually growing and I'm seeing advance and I'm starting to have new ideas and I'm starting to have hope. Right now I know, wow, maybe my life doesn't have to be this bad. And maybe I don't have to be like we've been talking about. I don't have to be a victim to the circumstances or the family that I was born into or, or, or the divorce that happened to me or the abuse that happened to me or, or, or the, the stock market that crashed and destroyed my entire finance. Maybe I don't have to be a victim. Maybe there actually is hope for a better life. Now I'm growing in God because my expectations are different and my faith is being built. I'm starting to believe that maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel. And then from there, we venture into this final quadrant, 
when it comes to God's plan. And what we do is our faith grows. Now we get to a place where I believe God so much that I'm actually able to do the things that God has asked me to do. Because as you read the Bible, you find out there's things that God has asked you to do. And this is a bold, bold move. And this is the part that's probably going to throw you for a loop, and I'm going to explain it. As you begin to grow in God and understand the life that God has for you, the potential that your life has, you begin to understand that God's asking you to trust Him with something. God's asking you to give something to Him, and this is what it is. He's asking you to trust Him with your time, with your talent, with your treasure, and with your plans. Okay? God is asking you to trust, to trust Him with your time, with your talent, with your treasure, with your plans. And after you get to that point, now you're in this, this final state, and we're going to call this state fully surrendered. Okay? You're fully surrendered to God. Now, here's the deal. God's objective of getting you from this life that you wish was different, same destination, different strategies. Here's God's strategy. Work out this place. And the place that you actually begin to see change in your life, the place where you actually begin to see, what are we talking about? Fulfillment, peace, financial security, health, and healthy relationships. The place where you actually begin to see these things when you get to this quadrant of being able to trust God with the things that you have. Wait! Wait, you're telling me that the way that I get the life that I want is I have to give something up? I thought this series was called What About Me? Right? And you're telling me I have to surrender things to God? How does, how does that make sense? Because as you venture out on God's path, you begin to understand when you ask yourself the question, what about me? You begin to realize that it's really not about you. Like it is, but it isn't. Right? Because for us, when we see surrender, we think we're losing something. When God sees surrender, he actually thinks that you're gaining something. This is the message of Christianity right here. Right? We come before God and God says, I have a new life for you. I have hope for you. I'll give you hope, and I'll, and, and I'll allow you to be in a perfect, right-standing relationship with me. I'll give you a new life. Okay, I want your new life. How do I get it? You've got to give me your old one. What? Yeah, so you, if you want a new life, you've got to give me your old one. What does that mean? What does that mean? This, this, this phase is actually a lot easier, because we come before God, and our lives are a mess. My life's broken. It's littered with regret. My life is littered with regret. Right? So when I come to God and says, give me, give me your life, well, what life do I have to give? My mistakes, my failures, my past, all the things that make me, make me disgusting in even my own eyes? Sure, God, why don't you take it? Right? This is the message that God says, you want a new life, you got to give me your old one. Because with God, it's all about trust. And when it comes to our faith in God, God's strategy is different. God's strategy is, if you want to get ahead, everything is backwards. If you want to get ahead, then you've got to be willing to give. We actually understand this, because the times in life that you have felt most fulfilled is when you have given in the midst of your need. Think about it. The times when you were down and out, and you like, didn't know how I was going to have enough money to maybe feed my kids, and even in the midst of my need, maybe somebody called me, and they were hurting, and I was able to encourage them, even in the midst of my pain, and what happened, I felt fulfilled. How? Because the way that you get ahead in life as it comes to God's strategy is you have to be willing to trust Him to a point that you're able to let go. So, if we want a good life, and I know it's probably stretching our capacity, but, but just be willing to maybe think a new thought. Because again, how is our strategy working for us? Right? How is our strategy working for us? So, so this is what God says in the book of Luke. You want, you want life? He says... Give away your life. 
So if you give away your life, he says, you'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and with blessing because giving, not getting, is the way because generosity begins or brings about generosity. So if I desire the life that God has for me, I have to be one to get to the place that I'm able to surrender the things that God has given me back to him. In the book of 2 Peter, um, it kind of brings forth these thoughts. It says that God has given us everything we need for a good life and eternal life through Jesus. So everything that we need to have the life that we desire, here's God's, God's thing. It's everything that you need I've already done and I've already actually given it to you. So he says it like this, though. Through Jesus, we are given promises, and these promises are tickets to participation in the life God desires for us. What is that? That's this, right? That's this. So in other words, when we come to God, here's what we have to be able to understand and compartmentalize. When we come to God and we place our faith in Christ, our eternity is secured. Our eternity is secured. You're on your way to heaven at the end of, end of your life. When you come to God, you're fully accepted. When you come to God, God loves you no matter what. His grace and his mercies are new every morning. But when it comes to his promises, when it comes to the life that you desire to live, when it comes to walking out the pathway that God has for you, the ball's in your court. What am I talking about? God has given us promises to a good life, but these promises are like tickets to participation. So if I went and bought a ticket to a concert, right? When I go to a concert and I take the ticket, but I go home and I put it uh, in my dresser drawer or put it in the kitchen somewhere and I never actually go to the concert and give the, the ticket to the person at the door and they let me in and I enjoy the concert, what happens? That ticket's worthless to me. Why? Because I never put it to use. The same thing is true when it comes to the promises of God. Until we commit to being willing to, to walking out this pathway that God has for us to be able to have the life that we have, the promises of God will never, will never pr- produce or we'll never see these things that we desire come to pass in our lives. Sometimes we get frustrated though, right? We get frustrated because we don't understand the process. So I just want to clarify this process. Here's, here's kind of what we do. Step one is we come to God. And you probably want to write this down. We come to God. First thing we do, we come to God and we bring him our lives. And man, my life's messed up. I give it to you, God. I need your hope. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need the possibility of a brighter future. Okay? And then step two, what we do, the second thing we're trying to accomplish is we're starting to trust God. This is also known in the Bible as faith. Faith in its basic form is, is trust. So how do, I, how do I begin to trust God through, through, through these things right here? Okay? And so what I want to do is I, I want to fill myself with what God says so much so that what God says becomes more real to me than my circumstance. I begin to believe that the life that God desires for me is not just a book. It's not just a Bible. It's not just a Bible, a book of rules. And, no, no, no. It's actually God's promises to me. It's like a letter to me. And the more that I read it, the more I understand the life that God has to me. What does this do? This, this enables me to then move from a place of believing what God says into the third step that I really want to be in. And that's to act on that trust to act on that trust. What am I getting at? You ever seen uh, an infomercial? Infomercials are, are really, really good at this. You'd be sitting there on your couch, right? Maybe chilling, hanging out with a friend, whatever. And uh, this infomercial comes on for weight loss. And you're like, oh, these things are just scams, right? These things, I don't believe this kind of stuff. And then they keep showing, they keep telling you, no, you can lose weight. No, you can lose weight. And you're like, well, maybe I could lose a little bit of weight. And then they say things like, you can lose 20 pounds in 20 days. 20 pounds in 20 days? Are they, are they crazy? And then they follow it up, right, with, with, with a money-back guarantee. What do I have to lose? A money-back guarantee, right? And then they keep taking it a step further, and they show you before and after photos. Why? Because they're building your belief. 
They're building your trust. They're building your faith in the product. Why? Because they know if they can get you to believe that it could maybe, just maybe, just maybe work for you, that at some point you're going to pick up the phone and give them a phone call and you're going to begin to try their plan. Why? Because this is what this step does. When we begin to read God's word, we begin to understand we don't have to be victims anymore. When we begin to pray to God, what is prayer? Prayer is conversation with God. It's talking with God. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Because when I come to God and I talk to God, somebody says, I don't know how to pray. Yeah, you do. It's simply just talking to God. I'm having a sucky day. I need your help today. Why does that matter? Because I'm pouring out my soul to God and allowing God to comfort me and speak thoughts through my mind and thoughts to my heart. And all of a sudden, I'm able to keep progressing and keep moving forward in life. When I begin to rely on the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit? When Jesus lived life here on earth, you may not even be a Christian, but you probably heard stories about Jesus. You probably heard stories about Jesus, how he, how he healed people and how he was a great leader. You probably heard stories like that. When Jesus was going to be crucified, he told all of his disciples or all of his followers, he says, I have to go, but it's actually to your benefit that I go, because when I go, I'm going to send Holy Spirit. That's what he says. I'm going to send Holy Spirit. Well, what, what does that mean? He says, so when I'm here, I can only be with you guys. And so I'm able to have the impact that I have based upon being able to be here and now with you. When Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be like me, but he's going to be able to be with everybody at once. Right? So this is where we hear terms like Jesus lives on in our heart or the Holy Spirit with, within you. Right? This doesn't sound kind of strange. Why do we say stuff like that? What we're saying is through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's like Jesus is almost like one with us. And so now we have that, that, that inner voice. You ever had that still small voice that is kind of like a conscience? As you become a, a Christian, it becomes this great guide for us in our life. Where maybe you had this idea right before you did something and then you did it and you look back on you, man, I, I knew this was going to happen. I just had a feeling. I just knew. How'd you know that was the Holy Spirit thinking through your thoughts? Because that's what happens when we awaken to the things of God and things of, of spirituality. God actually joins with your spirit and he begins to think through your thoughts. You begin knowing things that you, that you shouldn't know. It's like, how did I know that would happen? We've had those moments, right? And what is the purpose of this? This purpose of this is to get us to trust God more. Why? So that at some point in our lives, we're to the position and place where we understand, man, I trust your plan, God, so much that it's actually not a big deal to begin to surrender my time, talent, my treasure, and my plans to you. Why? Because I know that you got my back and the things that you promised me, if I'll step out and act on them, they will come to pass in my life. Sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes it can be difficult. And most times when it's difficult, if you struggle with surrendering your time, talent, treasure plans, the problem is not surrendering your time, talent, treasure plans. You've got to go back. You've got to go back to step number two and allow God to build your trust. Most times in life, we get frustrated. When it talks about, man, this is the life I want. I want this life. We get frustrated. And the reason we get frustrated, there's a, there's a couple reasons. Number one is because we, we don't know our next step. That's why this, this pathway, understanding God's strategy, it could change your life. Because we don't know our next step. How do, how do I get there? I want that life, but how do I get there? Sometimes we don't know that next step. It becomes very frustrating to us. The other reason we get frustrated is because sometimes we feel forced. We're feeling forced to take a step we aren't ready to take. Christians are great at this. This is like the biggest turnoff to Christianity, right? You come to God, and what do you need to do? The first things we tell people is that they need to surrender their time, talent, treasure, plans. Right? And we forget the fact that it's a journey. And the thing that God has done in your heart to get you to the pla this, that place is the same thing that God wants to do in everybody's heart to get them to that place. That today, it doesn't matter where you're at on your journey because this journey isn't really a destination. Really, it's a lifelong process. That in life, for me today, there's certain areas of my life that I'm not fully surrendered in. Why? Because I'm not seeing these things in perfection operating in my life. So what do I have to do? I have to continually go back and I have to fill myself more with what God says. Why? Because I, I, I believe. I have no other option in my life but to believe that God is who he says he is. Why? Because my plan is not working. 
My plan is not working. I have no confidence in my abilities. I have no confidence in my plan. I'm just not that good. So when I decide to open my mind and open really the real me, my spirit, to a God that maybe, that may, just maybe, might be greater than me, might understand how things work better than me, that I'm able to see real, genuine change in my life. You may be a skeptic here today. Here's my question to you. What do you have to lose? You may be somebody here today. I just don't know if I believe. What do you have to lose? How is your plan working for you? I believe because I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of those around me that if we'll commit to God's plan and God's way, we can see real change in our lives. Sounds good to be true. Yeah, so does the Christian faith, right? <laughs> I come and I surrender my broken life and God gives me a brand new one. That's the message of Jesus, that you don't have to be hopeless. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be a victim. You can climb mountains and you can do great things and you can be everything that God has called you to be. If, if you'll be willing to trust God, if you'll be willing to trust God. You may be here, and I don't know what area you struggle with. Maybe you're somebody who struggles every time, you know, I mean, it's like the most uncomfortable part of a church service when they take an offering, right? When the pastor gets up and says, hey, we time to give our tithes to God and give our offerings. Maybe you're, that just rubs you wrong every single time. Why? It's because you're not there yet. You don't, you don't truly believe that God cares about your financial future. So you struggle. This is, this is our lives. We have no capacity for change until we come to the place that we believe that God is who he says he is. And if you will take what you see as a risk to believe that God is, just maybe, that maybe God is who he says he is, maybe your life could be better than you ever dreamed. The awesome thing, the awesome thing about this path that God has set before us is that you're never intended to walk this path alone. This is why you come to the local church. This is why you build relationships with people who are like-minded or at least open-minded enough to gravitate toward the principles of truth, right? Because there's times in life that you need to be encouraged. There's times in life where your pit is so dark and your situation is so burdensome that you struggle in believing God. And what happens? You need people in your life to say, it's not over. God still has a plan for your life. They need to come to you and they need to say things like this. It may seem dark and it may seem broken and it may seem like things will never be the same. But the fact that you woke up today means that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if your situation doesn't look like you want it to look, then God isn't done yet. Keep going. Keep going. Get back up again. Try again. Yeah, but I don't know if I'll make it. It doesn't matter. Get back up. Try try again. Trust God. Be willing to make bold moves because if you don't make bold moves, you'll never know what could have been. You'll never know what could have been. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.